Have you guys ever heard of the White Horse Tavern? I don't think so. I have not. Okay. It is the oldest standing restaurant and bar in the United States. It's in uh, Newport, Rhode Island, and it originally started as like somebody's house, and it was a residential home that was built in 1652, which is so old. They still use the exact same building today. It's been rehabbed over the years, obviously. Right. Welcome back to episode two of the Social Drinkers podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed episode one. If you haven't listened, make sure to give that one a listen. For our first podcast, I feel like it was really good. I, I thought it was great for the first episode. I'm not going to lie. I yeah. mean, I think we did spectacular. Right? <laughs> it was and swell. You, and if you don't think we did good, you can get the hell out. <laughs> oh man <laughs> really want positive reinforcement around here you dicks welcome to the social drinkers all right that's what we do around here okay yeah. we're nice it's a place of welcoming so you can just get the hell out of here <laughs> we shared right. we shared funny stories and a little bit about ourselves so definitely check that out if you haven't already but this episode I'm super excited about because what I have to talk to you guys about is super interesting and absolutely a bucket list item. Ooh. So I'm excited okay. to share, but just a little teaser before we get in. What are you guys drinking tonight? Uh, I'll go Mitch, first. You to start us off there. Yeah. 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 I, I'm drinking a Noble Vines Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, I don't know a ton about red wine beyond just the basics. Um, but I do enjoy this one. I enjoy cab more than any other red wine. Um, and so at night, every now and then, much like Kate, if you listen to our first episode, I'll sit by the fire and have a red wine. <laughs> Are you making fun of me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Nice. All right. This week, uh, or this episode, I should say, I am, I'm drinking a Miller light, which I'll be honest. It's not my favorite. It was in my fridge. I'm getting rid of it. And I'll tell you why it's not my favorite. Actually. Um, it's a Pilsner and many of you might not know, but a Pilsner is a lager. It is brewed with different yeast and they tend to be a little bit hoppier and I'm not a big Pilsner guy. Never have been, never will be. And that's just who I am. So <laughs> hate on me if you want. <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to hate on you, Ray. You know, the hoppy beer lovers, they're out there. I actually like a little bit hoppier of a beer. But when someone tells me they like the taste of a really hoppy IPA, I just think they're lying. I just think they're lying. I and mean, this is coming from a drinker. Yeah. I mean, I like obscure. I, okay. I like earthy tastes. I enjoy er that earthy, you know, I love a green juice, celery juice, you know, all that stuff. Sometimes no, but most of the time I do like it and I'm gluten-free. So I have not tried all of the IPAs, but all of the IPAs that are gluten-free that I have tried, I don't like them. And I feel like I would have, I would be the person that has that flavor profile that would like them. So I just can't imagine, you know? 
There's some out there that I, I enjoy, but they're on the lighter side of hoppiness. Like I said, I do like a hoppy beer, but some of them are just over freaking powering. And I just struggle to believe that people like them beyond just wanting to say that I'm a hipster and I drink IPAs. So, uh, Ray, there's always a time and a place for the clean out beer, man. That don't don't be shameful about the clean out beer. Hey, you know, we've all got them. They're we've in the fridge. Yep. You've all seen them. <laughs> you know, they just sit there on the shelf 100 and today was the day 100%. <laughs> mrs kate what are you drinking so i am drinking bullet bourbon with an ice cube in it just a little pour i just like i love the bourbon taste and sometimes i do like it neat but if it's a weeknight i'm gonna go with the ice cube waters it down a little dilutes it a little and gives you a little hydration so Bullet, 100%. I feel like bu- Bullet is a very good safe bet. If you're ordering a mixed cocktail like an Old Fashioned or a Manhattan and the bartender asks you what bourbon you want to put in it, I always say Bullet. It's just always safe. They always have it. And you just know it's going to be good. I agree. I think Bullet is a really safe bet. I think you could go with Woodford. That's a common one that you're going to see on a lot of bar shelves that I would recommend as a very safe bet to put into a mixed drink or have a pour uh maker's mark is another good one that that is always a safe bet so those are a few that you're going to see on every single bar shelf that if you're looking for bourbon and you don't know much about it one of those three will be a solid tasting smooth bourbon for you yeah definitely have you guys ever experimented or seen drizzly do you know what drizzly is Actually, it sounds familiar. I might have gotten an Instagram ad for it. You, what is you, it? You probably did because we got a champagne bottle from a coworker of mine and it came through Drizzly. So if you guys are looking for a way to give the gift of alcohol to a friend who maybe lives out of town, you know, maybe a friend from college that just got engaged you couldn't make it to uh the engagement party but you want to send her a bottle of wine she lives in california what to do head over to drizzly you can send people alcohol from local liquor stores and it's freaking dope you guys oh, so it, have, have you guys not it heard comes this? it comes from a local liquor store it, it doesn't does. come from a distribution center that drizzly has Right. Yeah. It comes from, a, they partner with local liquor stores. So if you go on Drizzly, you can see the local liquor store market and where it's coming from, what's available. And you can send almost anything, beer, liquor, wine, all kinds of stuff from these liquor stores. So is this working like, is, does it come in the mail or does this, there's this like a DoorDash situation where somebody goes and picks it up and drops it off? Not a DoorDash situation. So it, I don't remember if it came through FedEx or UPS, one of the two. And I don't know. It definitely. It. It came, sorry to interrupt you. It came in the mail and it came in a drizzly box. Yeah. Okay. It so didn't it, come in like a bag <laughs> from the local liquor store. It was no. like nicely <laughs> packaged with a note. Yeah. It came with a, sh- it came as a shipment, but they're partnered with local liquor stores. So I don't know how that part works, but I do know you can't do this in every state. I don't know which states it's not available in. Definitely Utah. I think Massachusetts has weird liquor laws too. Yeah, they, 
I could see that. Although mushrooms are are legal in Massachusetts, I believe. So that's weird. I, well, it's not. I I think it's just like distributing alcohol. I don't <laughs> think it's like drinking it. <laughs> yeah, but I just figure if I can get smoked out of my mind on mushrooms, I can ship alcohol. Who cares? Yeah, that's weird. It's, psychedelics and alcohol are two very different things. Okay. <laughs> Some somebody listening to this fact check if psychedelics are in fact legal in Massachusetts. What you're going to find on this podcast is there's going to be a lot of misinformation, a lot of fake news, but there's also going to be a lot of alcohol value. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but check out Drizzly. We'll put the link in the show notes. Kate, what do you have going on this week? All right. So have you guys ever heard of the White Horse Tavern? I don't think I so. have not. Okay. It is the oldest standing restaurant and bar in the United States. It's in New, uh, Newport, Rhode Island. And it originally started as like somebody's house. And it was a residential home that was built in 1652, which is so old. They still use the exact same building today. It's been rehabbed over the years, obviously. 1652 1652 when did it become a bar it became a restaurant a tavern in 1673 1673 that's absurd that that is nuts and if you go look look online and look at the pictures it's been so a, a historical society came in and they rehabbed the building. They were about to tear it down, but they rehabbed the entire thing. And if you go in and if you go to their website and look at the pictures, it is adorable. It's like an old tavern that you would think like they had kept all of the history of the building. And what's really interesting about this place is so it's called like the businessman's lunch is a bunch of men would come here and they would have lunch and have drinks and get drunk and, you know, whatever. And they, who would pay the bill is the taxpayers. (laughs) (laughs) That's hysterical. Can you imagine? Sounds like something the government would do. Like, can you imagine (laughs) if you were just like, Hey, let's go down to the local tavern, you know, put it on the taxpayers. (laughs) Well, can you imagine now at a job going out and just getting smoked at lunch? I mean, hey, (laughs) hey, Rick, we're going to lunch. You know, you sit down at sit down at lunch, have four martinis, come back. You're absolutely blitzed. I mean, that's (laughs) hilarious. But I, I was just thinking about it. It's 2023, 1673. They've been stringing up drinks for 350 years insane that's why i said this is absolutely a bucket place a bucket list item like we have to go here just to say we drank at the oldest i think it said online it's the 10th oldest restaurant in the entire world wow wow that's crazy we definitely have to go there that i mean i'm just if you think about all the things things that that predates it predates america number one it you know it's a colonial tavern which is insane it predates slavery it it, it predates uh you know people as old as dirt as our parents are it, it's crazy. i mean <laughs> women probably weren't even you're allowed kidding. in this building <laughs> obviously it was a joke mom if you're listening you're not actually that old 
<laughs> oh man oh man yeah that that's wild i need to be at that place that's cool yeah highly <laughs> recommend we'll link it in the show notes but definitely check out the pictures because i mean a little bit about me i love an old building <laughs> and i love interior and i love that they kept all of like the original as much as they could it's super cool yeah that's amazing Good stuff. Ray, Ray, what do you got going on? There is a popular Australian beer that has been recalled due to excess alcohol. <laughs> um, Wait, what? How much? Yep. Yeah. Um, well, it actually, I didn't read up on that. It didn't say how much was in it, but it did give me the reasoning behind it. Um, there is a sec- something called secondary fermentation, um, which can happen as the result of something sitting unrefrigerated oh so um this brewery it's called your mates brewing um sounds australian we're brewing a beer called watermelon sour beer okay and uh they had reserve of it like sitting leftover that they hadn't sold and they cracked a couple open and uh found out that it was it was going pretty crazy. They uh they were really getting messed up. <laughs> so uh they went ahead and uh them and the food standards in Australia, uh whatever department that is, I'm not exactly very familiar with the department. Australian Australia. food regulations. <laughs> yeah, but uh they are recalling that and they said um actually in their exact words, um they said, I just want to pull this up so I don't give you the wrong quote. Um, we take the safety of our mates and quality of our beer very seriously. I thought that was pretty pretty funny of them to say, considering their name is Your Mates Brewing. Well so made. Said, oh, take this. Well, well made. I wonder if what happened was, so I've never heard of secondary fermentation, but being that you weren't aware from the article of what the ABV was, I wonder if since that was ac- excess supply that they had sitting there, if what they had stamped on the can as the ABV was actually going through the roof as it sat there and was doing its secondary fermentation. And so people thought they were drinking a 6% ABV beer. Lo and behold, on the back end, they're drinking a 13% glass of wine you know, and, and so then they're getting absolutely smoked off this beer that they weren't expecting. I, I wonder if that's what happened. It, it'd be interesting to dig more into that and find out. Well, yeah. I wonder, I wonder if they're even going to say really what happened, but I also wonder then what is the shelf life for alcohol that you see at the grocery store before that can happen from like distribution from the warehouse that sits on the grocery store until they have to take it off the shelves because that secondary fermentation happens. I've never even heard of that. Well, that has to also be something in production. Cause I mean, I I've never heard of that either. That's something that we three need to do research on because that's what we're supposed to be bringing the folks at the social drinkers club here, uh, the knowledge. And I don't actually know. And I've never, I've literally never heard of secondary fermentation before. So I wonder if there's something that they do in American production and European production to prevent it, or if there is a shelf life, there's gotta be a shelf life. Um, I don't know. I did just look around this can of Miller Lite 
and there is no expiration date that's interesting oh yeah because you know what what we were just saying you have all that beer in your fridge yeah i don't know i might also yeah be something with australian regulations that are different from america because you know we put a bunch of preservatives in our food (laughs) well the other thing too is every single state can have different alcohol regulations so i mean look at in utah um, you can only have a certain percentage of alcohol in your drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, different states have different alcohol regulations. So do different countries. So there may be ABV uh, limits that they have to do. But like I said, it it sounds like since it was excess supply that maybe it was just fermenting into a higher ABV than marked or advertised. Weird. Weird. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Can you imagine? Just imagine. You're going to the bar with your with your mates and you you sit down at the bar to order up a cold one and you you know you're just going to have one or two you're going to drive home and two in you're just faced and you're faced you, you just I would think understand. that I got drugged like you would yeah. think that you were roofied or something Yeah I I I can't even Because imagine. you it's not like you're drinking a mixed drink where you're like oh the bartender poured more liquor in here it's a canned beverage right well another thing like imagine that you buy a case of this and the longer it sits the stronger it's getting right (laughs) so (laughs) you start off and like the first night you have four pretty normal and then like say like a week or two later you like crack open four again mess you up <laughs> Dude, this makes me think of it, it, the perfect college prank. You know, in college, everyone has that roommate, that roommate, get it, or friend that they just really don't like behind the scenes. You could just prank the crap out of them, you know, with this beer. You could have this beer sitting there and stash some away for three months, and then one night be like, <laughs> "Hey, want a beer?" And gotta try this. Watch this guy get absolutely <laughs> tanked for no reason. Um, that would be pretty fun. Well, I can't imagine that the the taste of beer isn't changing, but again, the article that I read on this didn't say. Well, it, it's so gotta be it's gotta be changing. The article that you found seems as though it was written by some drunk mates. It didn't really uh it didn't really give much detail. I wonder if they're trying to hide detail from the the scandal well, that they're under. Yeah, I was gonna say if they they probably have a, a PR firm that is like release the as little <laughs> amount of information as you possibly can let this flow over don't say anything again and let's move on from this and let's move on <laughs> yeah yeah definitely I, i'm looking at my wine and i'm almost through it and it made me think i went to make a martini tonight and i didn't have any dry vermouth and it, it, it's making me think about cocktails and how they're made and i know kate knows johnny drinks Ray, I've sent you a few things from Johnny Drinks. Have you have you wandered into his content at all? Not like a not a deep dive. No. Okay. Um, just some of the things you've sent me. Gotcha. So so people out there, if you're looking for somebody who you should be consuming their content, Johnny Drinks is one of those guys. It's a father and son that started this channel where it started where he would. Um, teach people how to make cocktails. That, that was the large majority and still is the large majority of, of the content on that channel. Every classic cocktail, he shows you his rendition. He actually has his own bourbon. 
he, he's a really, really cool guy. And his son has done a great job of kind of helping build the brand and, and do everything like that. They do seltzer tasting, but it's cool too, because on top of the alcohol component, he'll teach men how to tie their tie or how to pack your suitcase for a travel trip the proper way or how to properly make your bed. It's it's very much an alcohol channel with a lifestyle component. And what you're going to find as you listen to our podcast is we love pushing other creators in the space because we think the alcohol space is saturated with people who love to just get fugged up all the time and talk about funny drinking stories like that. But there's an art a science and a whole industry behind drinking and Johnny drinks does an impeccable job of exposing that art science and industry. And so that's what we're all about here. Um, Check out Johnny drinks. His link is going to be in the show notes as well. We'll put um, we'll put his TikTok. We'll put YouTube and whatever else they got. We'll put it down there so you can check it out. And if his bourbon is in stock, you should buy it. We've been unable to get our hands on some of this contraband, but um, it, you know it's been sold out. It is what it is. Good job. Yeah, <laughs> they. I love Johnny Drinks. I feel like they were kind of one of the first people that I found in the alcohol space on TikTok. His son, I think they're both. I think their names are both Johnny. His son has done, like you said, such a good job of marketing his dad. His dad, I would say, is he is like the epitome of a successful dad that you like go to their house and then you always have fun because the dad is so fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would agree. You go for a sleepover and Johnny Drinks makes you these handcrafted s'mores and homemade pizza Mm -hmm. or something like that. That's what it feels like. (laughs) <laughs> totally i bet you know what i bet he made killer milkshakes probably when, when his kids were young probably guaranteed yeah. we come from a ray and i come from a, a milkshake family that we do and yeah. i'll tell you what if you don't think that's an art you're wrong well have you ever had a beer milkshake i have not but i do know that milkshakes originated as an alcoholic beverage Okay, so before I talk about beer milkshakes, talk about that, because that's interesting. Well, I don't have a ton of information on that, but I do know that originally a milkshake was an alcoholic beverage, and I'm not exactly sure how long that lasted, but I know that it was it was a significant amount of time. Yeah, I think it was because I think. Oh, wait, no, I'm thinking eggnog where they use curdled milk. Yeah, eggnog has a similar history. Uh, stay tuned, folks. We're bringing you the history of the milkshake because I'm going to go down that you know rabbit hole. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll look that up. That, yeah, that's coming in a future episode. But the beer milkshake, I'll tell you what. I've heard of people doing it with cheap, light beers, like a Miller Lite. That just is horrifying to me. I, I cannot imagine putting that flavor profile into a tasty chocolate or strawberry or vanilla milkshake but i had a cherry chocolate cherry stout poured into this milkshake and it was phenomenal it was so good and you know it's boozy and i know you can put liquor and get the boozy milkshake there's even you know trendy spots in nashville and new york and la and these cities that have got it going on where you can go get a boozy milkshake and that's pretty sweet um but i've made one at home (laughs) <laughs> I feel like they don't use beer. 
they use like whiskey or rum or something like that in those milkshakes. They don't use beer like what you're talking about. Which so that's oh go ahead, Ray. I was gonna say that's something that I was thinking about in my head as you're talking about this is like imagine a chocolate milkshake with screwball peanut butter whiskey in there. And that's gonna be top notch. Right. Well, I was gonna say here's the deal, right? A a beer milkshake at the end of the day is not the greatest flavor profile that you could put together. There are absolutely spirits that are going to match the consistency of a milkshake far better than beer. And then you're not going to have that. It's inevitable. Even in a stout, you're going to have some hop to it. And it with milkshakes, is it's kind of a weird combination. The one I had, like I said, was good. But I mean, yeah, some, some screwball or some dark spice rum or, um, you know, a sweeter bourbon in, in a milkshake would be an excellent, excellent thing, I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And actually, I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast yet, but we are like all related. So maybe Wait. we should tell them a little bit about our relationship <laughs> to each other. We are. We're all related. Uh, Kate and I are divorced. <laughs> imagine just, maybe we should say that to get ratings. To get ratings. just kidding we're happily married and ray is my younger significantly younger if you ask him <laughs> brother so old man <laughs> yeah so we're all we're all close we've got this company social drinkers and basically it's a company that sells nothing so we have a weekly newsletter that we put out and this weekly podcast that's brand new that we put out where we talk about like I said the art science and industry of drinking so everything that we put out is free we really appreciate you you checking it out but yeah that that's how we're all related um yeah I, there's nothing really more than that other than the fact that Ray and I are brothers I'm old um and Kate and I are divorced I'm young I'm young and adorable. I'm young and adorable. <laughs> oh no, just kidding. Super funny. Um, so does any anybody have anything else? Or have we exhausted the podcast material for the week? I don't have anything else. Yeah. I think that's I'm it. Really pretty good. Pretty good. All right. Well, it's Thirsty Thursday. Kate, why don't you take us out of here? Yeah. Thirsty Thursday wrapping up episode two thank you guys so much for listening make sure to follow us on all the things instagram tiktok youtube at we are social drinkers leave us a comment if you have any feedback on the episode if there's any topics that you want us to discuss or look further into like the milkshake saga we will be sure to bring that to you in episode three we'll do some research um but besides that I think that's it. Make sure to subscribe and we'll see you in our next episode. Cheers. Cheers.